Hello, welcome to the You Can Try podcast. I'm Penny Wilkin from You Can Coaching. And on this podcast, I'm going to talk to people who share my passion for swimming, cycling, running and triathlon, as well as anything in between. This is episode 36 and I'm going to be talking with Emmeline Foreman about the curse of comparison and some ideas that might help from Tara Brack. So Magic, welcome back to the podcast. I think the last time you were on, it must have been like last summer, was it? It was, yeah. We were talking about, um, weren't we? Yeah, that's right. And anxiety. Mm -hmm. So... Before we go into the podcast, just tell us, go on, just introduce yourself to everyone um, so long since you've been on. So tell us who you are and what you do. Um, okay. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Emmeline, and I like to have wonderful, mindful conversations with Penny around sort of all the existential things that we do and, uh, and that we worry about, like anxiety and, you know, and how do we sustain motivation how how we how we sort of develop a I don't know what would you could you call it sort of a positive growth mindset or something like that Penny um, and we love to yeah, sort of no, dis- that's 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 we love to sort of discuss all the various um, books that are out there on on resilience and personal development and um, yeah things like that really so and you've spent time as an academic haven't you so you do a lot of reading and researching and a little bit of teaching and things as well haven't you yeah I am very much interested in the themes of resilience and um and compassion and how we can use that in leadership and in in the classroom and how we can sort of facilitate more resilient um students um especially around sort of emotional resilience and things like that. Okay, cool. So, oh, and so, yeah, before we go into today's sort of main topic, so in a minute we're going to talk a little bit about comparison and how that affects us. So what? just tell us what's been happening in lockdown for you, especially since we last met, what's been difficult and anything you've done to kind of develop ways of dealing with the you know difficult situation yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't say lockdown's been terribly difficult it's more just been a change of pace and learning about being creative within that that new pace that you find yourself in so for instance I would always be going out and um, seeing people at coffee shops and connecting I'm sort of very I much enjoy connecting and conversing with friends and uh, and you're not you're not able to do that and it creates a sort of change of pace because you're still able to do it but through sort of more digital platforms like Zoom um, which has created a whole other space of of building friendships so it's been interesting the last year connecting with people around the world um, you know in Canada and Italy and uh, New Zealand so that's been really interesting um so it's just it's it's been more of a sort of change of pace and and sort of creating um different opportunities in that in that space so yeah that's what's been happening over lockdown i've i've had actually i've had a quite a good time that sounds awful doesn't it yeah <laughs> no it's inter- it's interesting isn't it um yeah we i've had sort of ups and downs with it i suppose i mean if you ask me 
how the whole year of lockdowns and COVID has affected me and my business, I could say, well, actually, I've crowdfunded a book and um, found a place, you know, to put my own swimming pool. So that sounds pretty positive, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so Yeah. And I started a podcast and put out loads of videos and done loads of stuff. So it has been really productive. Um, but yeah, on the flip side, I have, yeah, particularly since Christmas, sometimes found it difficult not seeing people and just been sat at home for days on end in the dark because it's cold, dark, you know, in winter. Um, yeah. But yeah, like you, you've got to make, I had to find, you know, opportunity and uh, create opportunities to see people and, you know, even virtually, like you say, you know, every week. And also sometimes I realised as well, one of the things for me is that when you're not going out to see people at work, you have to, it, sometimes it takes a, up a bit of energy organising social arrangements with friends as much as it's fun it does still take time to organize to talk to your friend on zoom or whatever whereas in normal daily life things just happen without you having to put energy into the booking and the scheduling and sharing the link and you know all of that yeah, but yeah just one of the things I do is I just try and go to a couple of online classes every week and even though they're not really people that I know very well and they're not necessarily my friends in the class. You're just seeing people and it doesn't require an arrangement. I just know that I can go to a class at seven o'clock on a Wednesday morning and there'll be people there that say hello and know my name, you know, which which just helps to put an anchor in the week. Yeah. And, you know, I've found with some workshops as well, like, you know, normally you'd go for a long weekend for a workshop. I've been um, taking part in some online classes that have, because they're now online and people aren't having to travel, the teachers have sort of created year-long classes and you sort of meet them every week and, and you're getting to know people on a sort of deep level, whereas uh, normally with long weekend workshops, you kind of meet them and then that's it. And that's it, like, yeah. And that's been a really interesting um, approach to, to learning. Um, mm. Yeah. But I wanted to circle back to what you were saying about how you felt productive over the last year. I think as an observer and a friend, um, it's been such a period of creativity, you know, for you. Um, you think about the things, the offerings that you have now with the podcast and the book. And um, yeah, it's just it just looks for me. Viewing that from the outside is is it's just a, a period of such creativity, and it's it's been so exciting to, to sort of follow you on that journey through through social media posts and through our conversations. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, it's great fun doing it all. I don't know how much time I'll have to keep doing it when I'm running a business and teaching, swimming, and actually coaching. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We will see. Been fortunate to have the time to do it, really. Um, so yeah, there's some the benefits of COVID, right? Absolutely, the yeah. Of the restrictions. Um, <laughs> the restrictions, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about today's podcast. So what we're going to talk about today is comparison and how, as humans, we're always comparing ourselves to other people or other performances or other businesses, and just how that helps us or hinders us and you know and where it comes from and so for so many of us it's often negative you do something really really well and then you look over and you see someone else doing, doing it better you can pay yourself to them and you end up feeling rubbish um so yeah what 
what do you think about it? Why? Yeah. Why do we do it in the first place? Yeah. Um, it's an interesting one. I think someone that I've been listening to recently, she's she's a clinical psychologist and, and she's well known in the mindfulness um, arena is, is this lady called Tara Brack. And she wrote a book called Radical Self-Acceptance. Um, and she talks a lot about um, comparison and what she calls this idea of the trance of unworthiness. And what happens, what she says is that society sets us up to, to sort of be in this unconscious trance of unworthiness. You know, um, you've got these different advertisers needing to sell us stuff. You've got society um, constantly saying, you know, this is not good enough. You've got to learn more. You've got to do more. You So so there's always this expectation of something else. And, and she talks about that from a mindfulness perspective of how um it's just sort of a natural thing that we do when we're when we're relating to other people um so yeah so one of the things that she talks about is this this idea of this trance of unworthiness being just a just an everyday state that we need to to sort of become aware of and not not to demonize it and just say do you know what just like there's rain and there's sunshine it's just it's just there and, and we need to relate better to our um to our sort of natural way of comparing ourselves to to people it doesn't have to be to be a negative negative thing so that's really interesting i mean i've heard Tara brack and her books i haven't read any of them yet uh i never would have known that she might write about stuff like this and about comparison so that's really interesting I never would have thought that would be you know something in her field um and yeah it's interesting so basically the idea of comparison is that we're kind of thinking of we ought to be better or in a different place or moving forward to some other position rather than accepting the here and now and being present is that about it yeah and another way that she also um talks about this is that we as as humans as relational beings you know we sort of relate to our friends and our family and loved ones and even to ourselves we relate we're constantly in this sort of hyper relationship so the idea of relating the, the idea of comparison is is a form of judgment that we make you know to am i safe am i am i hungry is it cold outside? There's this sort of comparison judgment thing as well. So um, it's not just about not being good enough, but also, am I safe? Um, how am I being perceived? Um, and there's just various other judgments that we need to make. And there's these thousands and thousands of judgments that we make every day. Um, and that's just an everyday part of part of us. You know, it's, it's an essential. Do we, is it cold outside? Do we need a coat? Um, and that that all is sort of lumped into the same sort of thing when we're when we're making a judgment or when we're comparing um, something. So it's I guess entangled. So I guess from what you've said there, it doesn't have to always be negative. You know, it's a useful thing to compare yourself to others sometimes because you're looking to see what skills you can learn or whether what you're doing isn't 
accepted or other people think it's rude or someone else is wearing a coat, perhaps it's cold, cold outside, perhaps I need to wear a coat, those types of things. Exactly, right? So so it's it's very much an inherent part of how we relate to people um, around us and our environment. Um, so, yeah, but what happens is comparison can um, lead to some very negative thinking. And in fact, it can lead to this sense of suffering that's very pervasive of, of sort of everyday um, negative thoughts that we can have about ourselves. And the three ways that Tara Brat talks about this is she says it manifests in such a way that um, the key the key ones in, in sort of the field of psychology is the fear of failure. So everyone has this sort of like pervasive, absolute fear of I'm going to fail. Um, the fear of missing out, which is one that gets talked a lot about, especially around social media. And like when you see a friend post something on Facebook, you're like, oh, they're having a great time. <laughs> I'm not. I'm stuck in the house. Um, and also the third one that she talks about is something is wrong with me. And the, when she sort of names these um, types of comparison, negative comparisons that we that our mind latches onto. So fear of failure, fear of missing out and something is wrong with me. When she names this, we can sort of begin to identify. Right. When we are in any of these spaces, what's going on here? Am I, you know, I'm oh, I find myself comparing myself to another person. What is it? And you sort of peel back the layers. Is it is it the fear of failure? Am I am I afraid of missing out? Or is this is it is there an inherent belief that I'm just not good enough or something is wrong with me? And when we sort of start to sort of peel back the layer of, of where that comparison is coming from, um, she then says that we can we can develop a bit more presence around it and, and sort of create some space rather than believing the negative thought that's coming in. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, I guess for me, one of the things I've had over the recent years is about how I run my business and the size of my business compared to other people. So, you know, so I'll be looking around at other triathlon coaches or sports coaches or swim coaches and I'll be like, oh, how come they've got more clients or how come they've got a bigger business or how come they've got their own swimming pool? And, you know, what what I, I must be doing something wrong. That, that was something that I thought for a while I'd be working really hard I thought I'd be doing something wrong or there must be something wrong with me because those people clients go to them and they don't come to me um I can't think what what else I used to think um but I just yeah I've kind of learned not to let it in and also the thing about I must be doing something wrong I guess I've just really worked hard to learn skills to run my business um yeah yeah, no, I'd have the same um, sort of thing with in sort of the academic field, you know, I'd be like going into different conferences and thinking, gosh, that person's just said exactly what I want to say, but a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and you just have this, especially in academia where, where you're trained and conditioned to, it's either pass or fail, right? And it, it's similar with you know sports as well you know you're either winning or you're losing so there's this this um aspect of what we do like in your case with with the sports and, and with business and myself with with academia that 
there's this sort of binary aspect of you're either succeeding or you're failing. And that tends to come from um, sort of external expectations. So what happens is, is whatever we're feeling and whatever the, the gap is between the external expectation and what we're feeling, that's where, this, where according to Tara Brack is the space that we can begin to, to bring presence and, and sort of, like you said, either develop skills or develop um, certain uh, mindsets or tools to, to sort of manage that sense of comparison or that sense of negativity that, that comes from, from comparing. Um, but one of the things that she talks about of how we begin to sort of tackle this, this sort of what she calls the pervasive um, trance of unworthiness that we sort of experience every day, or another way she calls it is, is she calls it the ouch, <laughs> which I like, yeah. you know, you catch yourself in a moment and you go, ouch, whatever I'm feeling sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and and she and she basically says, so she's come up with this this acronym RAIN, which I'll talk about in a minute. But basically, she says, at a very basic level, we need to learn to trust ourselves, right? And and I think, from what you're saying as well, one of the key one of the key aspects of trusting ourselves is either thinking, right, what skills do I need to fill this gap? What what do I you know what routine am I going to come up with what am I going to schedule do I need a coach what what different actions can we take to contribute to that feeling of I I trust myself no matter how uncertain whatever I'm doing is and um, I just I absolutely love that framing because I've, I've used that quite a bit now where when I'm caught in that comparison cycle or I feel a sort of negativity around um something that's quite difficult that I'm dealing with I sort of ask myself what what can I do or what what action can I take that will give me a sense of self-trust and develop um that self that self-trust within me and and because according to her and again she's got this sort of neuropsychology background that if we develop that trust that's what blasts open any issues around any sort of negativity um, around comparison and judgment um, and that feeling of not being good enough. So I think, in, I mean, I would have used terms of confidence and I guess it is the same. I think that's what she's getting at. For me, you know, my confidence, it sounds like self-trust. So again, for me, so the thing in my business is that, you know, I'm a swim coach, I'm a triathlon coach. Um, I don't, you know, necessarily have skills of marketing and, you know, accounting and bookkeeping and, you know, running a business. So I, I didn't feel all that confident in it. And then I'd be looking around, like I say, at my competitors and my colleagues, and I'd be thinking, oh, my God, I'm not as good as them. Look what they're doing. You know, I don't know how to run my business. I'm not good enough. I'm not working hard enough. People don't like me enough. I don't know, whatever. And then, and I realized I needed to build my confidence. The way that I built my confidence was to identify what are all the skills that I needed and to work on that would help to give me confidence and help me feel better about it. And I guess develop how I went about it. Yeah. So, I mean, a business coach kind of to know who your competitors are and what other people are doing, but you know, everyone's different and you want to develop your business from a place of confidence not from a place of fear of others if you know what I mean um so yeah that, that was something that 
you know, really resonated. But I guess it's the same, you know, a lot of my clients at the moment are a little bit nervous about cycling outdoors. So particularly triathletes who are, you know, new to cycling, haven't been doing it for very long. You know, we're coming out of winter and, you know, often just a bit scared of the roads and the corners and taking their hands off the handlebars and don't have very much confidence. And they see everyone else has, you know, confidence and they look around and they think that everyone else is overtaking them and, and faster than them on the bike, which also doesn't, does it? You know, you're comparing yourself to others. So I guess it's yeah. about looking around to see what they can do to develop their self-trust and their belief and their confidence in themselves yeah and and that's one thing that that is raised is that the confidence the word confidence is is problematic to the extent that it's just it's been co-opted um by again how an external source perceives us so again you can go into that sort of like oh that person's more confident in than I am I, I wish I was a bit more confident and you know there's this sort of still this this extrinsic um, sort of perception that someone can have of, of whether we're confident or again you sort of need that um, validation almost sometimes with with confidence I know that that's a case for me like I feel confident when someone says hey you've done well there you know um, and, and that sort of validation gives me a, an immediate um, feedback that, that that then fuels my sense of confidence but I think there's something about the word trust um, that Tara Brack talks about here it has a sort of um, an internal, a very sort of intrinsic um, quality. And, and you're sort of bringing a sense of mindfulness to and checking in with yourself. Um, what are you feeling? So in the case of your clients that are, that are kind of feeling anxious about sort of cycling again after after not cycling for so long um what uh tara talks about is this this acronym called rain which stands for recognize uh, allow investigate and nurture right and the first the first letter recognize what what tara sort of gets us to do is to first of all just recognize what's happening. So in the case of people who are nervous to get back cycling again, to just say, wow, I'm nervous about going out cycling. <laughs> and, and just to recognize that and, and just sort of for a moment, um, give it that space. And, and that leads us to the A in the acronym, allow, and allow the experience to just be there just as it is, that sense of, um being afraid or being uncertain or um feeling like there might be a threat there of 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 pain or injury or whatever it is that 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 the person experiences when they think about going out cycling um and the next bit she goes and begin then to investigate so how long have i been feeling this way what is making me feel this way and just just give yourself that space to sort of investigate and and sort of go deeper into into what it is um and then the last um part of the acronym is nurture so where what can you do to sort of nurture um that part of you that's feeling the ouch that's feeling that 
um, lack of confidence or feeling uncertain about things. So how can you sort of be gentle within that investigation? You know, when you're when you're investigating what you're fe fearing, how can you sort of be gentle to yourself? Could it be that you just um, go cycling to in an area where you know there's not going to be cars first and and you, like you said you slowly build um your confidence but but or you, you you build that sense of trust in yourself um trust that you that you're not going to perhaps freak out or trust that you i don't know does that does that make sense yeah no no absolutely. i think that that's really useful it's similar to things that other people have told me about recognizing feelings and dealing with feelings and thoughts and things and you know one of the first things is to name it and I think that probably a lot of people feel a bit of a fear of cycling or swimming or whatever but because they're doing triathlon they think that they should just muscle through it and that no one else is feeling it and that if they admit it that it's a weakness and they're going to be doing a triathlon so they shouldn't be scared of cycling so um and yeah I mean I think one of the things one of the issues I have personally as so I've talked about my business but the other thing one of the things I have personally with comparison is that you train all year you do this you you make loads and loads of, I make loads and loads of progress with my fitness it's absolutely amazing I go to a race I get a PB I get like a lifetime best performance in my life in my world ever and you think you're amazing and you feel amazing and then you look up and you see someone was faster than you or you look at the results and you discover that you came 90th out of 100 or or something something um and and you know then it's like that little ouch moment isn't it and it is so yeah ridiculous because you've just had this amazing performance and then you look around and if you're not careful and if you let all of that in then you can end up you know discounting all of the things that you've achieved and I mean I've just said all of that but I think it's really common I think among my clients that's a really common you know scenario yeah there, there's definitely something about that isn't there um where you aim for you aim for a goal and you and you've done everything and you've, you've actually like completely done really well and then you get to the goal and it's as if you, you're never at your destination and you go right next. And it's and it's the part of the mind that goes, oh, that person was faster than me. Right. OK. And we, we're, we're not able to. Um, and, and that's what I think they talk about here is is how we bring our presence, how we bring that mindfulness and, and be gentle with ourselves like wow you've just had a personal best penny throw yourself a bloody party <laughs> forget forget the person you know like and and it's and that and that is what Tara Brack calls this is this muscle um she calls it um the muscle of the pause so when we're when we've done something like in your case you just described reaching the finishing line and it's like I've just got a personal best and she talks about developing this idea of pause because once you've got this this sort of pause you're able to sort of recognize wow I've just I've just done this this is great I'm going to give space to this experience I'm going to allow it and and I'm going to nurture myself I'm going to throw myself a party and and in that pause you're sort of bringing presence and mindfulness and you're too busy then to go oh well that person over there is 
it's two seconds faster or whatever it is, you know. Um, and, and that's for me what I've, I've been learning um, to do is, is strengthen the, the, the pause muscle, as, as Tara calls it. And, and just catching my breath, you know, when, when I feel, oh, someone's way ahead of me in the PhD game and they've written 50,000 words and I've only written 10 or something like that. I'm just, I'm just pausing and sort of saying, okay, wow, well, I've written 10,000 and, and this is what my plan is. This is what I'm going to do for me. And, um, yeah, and yeah, just, just pausing and, and, and bringing that mindfulness and attention, attentive sort of quality and, and befriending the self, really. We need to sort of really throw more parties for ourselves I think yeah I mean I, I, I like that I mean you're definitely right I'm so much better at it now and yeah I mean I celebrate everything that I've done that I do these days in a much more present and um self-satisfying way and, and I talk to my clients a lot about how you celebrate success you know so many people just do a race finish an Ironman and and there's nothing. I'm like, well, at least wear the medal. And if you're too embarrassed to wear it in public, then wear it around the bedroom or at least take a picture or have a special dinner or, you know, whatever it is. I definitely talk to people about planning a kind of moment of celebration after some big achievement. And in fact, you know what? I even plan it every week after a big run or a big race, a big training <laughs> I mean, absolutely and you know you should throw yourself a party even when you've not done yeah, it you should, you should. <laughs> yeah so, so i mean that it's the same thing isn't it kind of celebrates and you know taking a pause but it is so much about just appreciating the presence isn't it and being in the present rather than thinking about the next thing yeah and it is really difficult i tell you what i find really really tricky so i think i've kind of got the, the tips and tricks to sort of not compare myself to others, which is, which is, you know, you can sort of take a pause and you can do something nice for yourself and you'll, I don't know, go for a run or move or whatever it is that they folks say to do to, to get rid of that sort of negativity. But what's really tough is when you find yourself comparing, I don't know if you find this, but comparing yourself to, to, to you, you know, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> sometimes I'd be like, well, a year ago, I was doing a hell of a lot better. Yeah. And, and I'm just stagnating. And, and I can get really cross with myself sort of comparing my past self, or even my sort of expectations of a future self to the now. And, and I find that really tricky. So um, that because sometimes I catch, I catch myself and um, I see things that I did, perhaps six months ago. And I think, wow, you were really on track here. What what happened there, you know, and yeah, no. so yeah, that, that's, that's been an interesting Definitely, That is so relevant to triathletes and runners and swimmers and cyclists and so relevant to right now because so many people will not have had races or events to train for all of last summer, which will have affected their motivation and so a lot of people wouldn't have done so much training. And then the whole upset of your routine and life and all of the things that you we would normally do over the last year you know has changed so lots and lots of people have you know found it really difficult to stay motivated to keep training you know and what with homeschooling and everything else and you know I've had the same I mean it's two years since I raced the Ironman 
and you know I'm nowhere near as fit as I was then I'm still you know trying to discover my lost 50 watts on the bike that I lost over those two years so it's very easy and very you know soul destroying to go well I'm sitting here and a year ago I could have run that distance or that speed or or 10 years ago you know and, and, and difficult for yeah. people, for older athletes, right? Because as you get older, you don't necessarily get any faster. and quite common to get slower. So, you know, when you're 50, you're thinking, oh, you know, but when I was 40, um, uh, I was better. Yeah. Um, so what tips would you give you for anything to, to yeah, help? Yeah, so, so I've, I've been, yeah, and especially over COVID as well, I've been, I've been thinking about that as well because a lot of people have, kind of felt like they're either you know on pause or or just stagnating or they've hit a sort of low um within their sort of feeling a sense of growth or or um yeah it's not been an it's been a very challenging time for a lot of people um so yeah there's been a lot of internal sort of comparing of self prior to covid um and one of the things there that i found the most effective you know is it's it's not just about comparison at that point anymore, but recognizing the idea of the inner critic. Um, and I know quite a lot of people talk about this, but for me, it's been the last year has been a journey of befriending my inner critic, who I named Ralph. Yes. And I recognize when Ralph shows up and what Ralph likes to say, you know, and and it's about relating. It's about rather than shutting down that natural inner critic part of us, right? That that essentially that inner critic is there to keep us safe, you know, from a very on a very basic level, it's there to go, oh, that's dangerous, you don't want to do that. Um that inner critic when go when it goes into overdrive tells you, Oh well, that was pretty hopeless. You know, you were like this before, and you were. The, and so, for me, it's about how am I relating and giving space to my inner critic, and um, Oi. Just, yeah, by <laughs> taking the first step of sort of naming the inner critic, and then recognizing that the sort of patterns of of how how the inner critic shows up. So, for me, when I'm fatigued, or um, you know, that whole hangry thing. <laughs> those are the first two things I'm like right get some sleep or rest or do something different um but yeah it's it's definitely been a case of, of befriending the inner critic but not to silence it but rather to say okay what what is it that I need to do to get back to my center and um yeah and I, I tell you what's been really really useful is that idea of um, who was it that talked about the one percent? Was it James Clear? He talks about it, but um, the coaches at British Cycling, I think, talked about it as well. Um, yeah, the and I, I found that a particular. Yeah. yeah, I found that a particular useful tool in in recognizing that my inner critic um, needs me to sort of take sort of smaller steps and 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 find that sort of center. Um, and so I've, I've been using a lot of that 1%, breaking my goals down into 1% and just sort of making the, the, the inner critic sort of content. Um, and from there, once, once you sort of lose that, that negativity of the comparison and the beating up of self and inner sort of frustration, you can then begin to do 
other things and that's and that's what that sort of one percent is about isn't it um so i guess it's the the one percent doing something small and often and regular you know so you're kind of chipping away and just a tiny little bit at your confidence and then that helps to calm the inner critic a little bit um and yeah. i mean i think yeah. it it's also still about mindfulness isn't it as well because we're not trying to get rid of you're not trying to kind of ignore your inner critic and banish it because if you do that yeah. it'll just come back right so it is a little bit about yeah. hearing it and noticing it and accepting it yeah yeah and it's it's not just about what i'm recognizing from sort of the reading that i'm doing around uh, mindfulness and meditation and that it's not about how we typically think of meditation as well you know this idea of just sitting in in, in silence what i'm learning is that anything where we can bring presence and mindfulness to so for instance even promising yourself that you'll sit down and read a book for half an hour every day has the sort of same effect as meditation it's it's, it's about the space that you mindfully give to yourself so if you want to spend half an hour listening to i don't know kylie on full blast <laughs> or <laughs> or reading a book or going for a drive anything that you give yourself for half an hour um is is a form a particular form of meditation and and that is part it circles back to that idea of taking the pause you know and um giving the space and coincidentally and it it's got nothing to do it, on a sort of logical level it hasn't got anything to do with it but by doing that for half an hour every day you know builds the trust Anything you can do to yeah, take so, half an hour in your day. So what sort of things do you do? Well, I, I um, tend to journal, but I've also been doubling down on different things. <laughs> so in the mornings, I go for walks. Um, but also, there's a book um, that I sort of promised myself that, okay, I'm going to get through a chapter. And that, that consistency that I, I sort of bring to my day um, will lead to sort of an, an, a sort of self-trust and that just sort of then permeates other things that I do and it's been incredibly helpful to um, my PhD and, and being more consistent with writing um, so yeah I don't know how it works but this is what the psychologists say gift yourself something anything anything for half an hour consistently um, and it, it helps you to sort of build that that sense of trust in yourself. Yeah, I guess it's about switching off, isn't it, from, you know, work or family or, you know, other things and having some sort of, um, I was going to say, yeah, mindful activity or mindful meditation or whatever. I guess I say mindful meditation, but running can be a mindful meditation, can't it? You know, just the movement. Absolutely, yeah. And that's why I say sort of 30 minutes of gifting something to yourself as opposed to um, using the word meditation yeah. because people can go, oh, I can't sit still for yeah. half an hour. I can't do that every day. I can't. And it, if you view it instead as 30 minutes of anything, you could just sit there with a hot cross bun and a cup of tea yeah. and say, this is my half an hour. And that is that is your meditation, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I'm looking forward to a hot cross bun now you've said it. So, oh yeah, no, so I found that really useful. That's really interesting. And I'm actually inspired to maybe go and read Tara Brack 
I'm not sure. Oh. I think I'm not sure why I haven't read her so far. I've come across her quite a few times, but I think some of it I was kind of a bit put off because perhaps it felt a little bit too hippie and too mindful or something. But it sounds like it's not quite like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, there is a sort of hippie element to it, but she is, a, you know, she brings in her clinical psychology background. Um, so there's quite there's quite a lot to it, and there's nothing wrong with hippies. There's nothing wrong with hippies, no. My friend Emma points out that <laughs> I'm a hippie at heart, so definitely nothing wrong with hippies. Um, yeah. Yeah, but what I'll do, actually, so that you can share the link, anyone who who is interested is I'll, I'll share some of the videos that are that are on youtube she does these incredible talks for an hour every week um and they're sort of meditation reflective inquiry style lectures that are brilliant and i listen to them um and yeah i'll share some of those links that that are relevant to the talk. oh yeah yeah that would be amazing yeah definitely share your favorites and we can put them in the show notes and i'll maybe put them on social media when the podcast goes out as well so yeah that would be lovely so thank you very much i've really enjoyed yeah, yeah. chatting to you definitely found it very useful and i'm gonna go and look up tara brack okay it's been great take care That's it, folks. Thanks very much for joining us. We hope you found some of that useful and we'll look forward to you joining us on next week's episode. <laughs>